The Age of Valor, Volume 1, Heritage, by D. E. Morris. A full cast production, narrated by Conrad Hetzer. Luela stood at the bow of the ship, the wind blowing her hair in salt water tangles. This was her first time on a boat and leaving her homeland. Rational thinking told her she should be afraid of all the unknowns and the uncertainties, but there was a thrill of the unexpected in her veins. Her small, protected world was growing by leaps and bounds, and it was more exciting than anything the young princess had ever experienced before. Luella had found a boat with the help of a local, an average-sized shipping vessel that let them ride with the promise of payment in the way of labor. They would be making several stops before reaching Senes, and there were letters and parcels that needed to be sorted before they could be delivered. It was quick work split up among them, and they knew the price for their transport had been just so the old captain could argue he hadn't fallen victim to three pretty faces and given them a free ride. At the first stop, not more than a day after they set out from Amay, they had two hours ashore in a village Luela had never heard of. It wasn't anywhere near as large or beautiful as Amay, but it had an inn where Kinaid and Ashlyn were able to wash up and purchase cleaner clothing. Luela even bought newer things for Elos, which, to his surprise and humble thanks, were presented to him when they met at the beach. Now, sailing into the setting sun four days later, they had only one more stop to make before reaching Senes the next morning. Ashland came up beside Luela, silent and calm. The two looked like night and day in comparison. Luela, with her long dark hair, chestnut complexion, and crystalline eyes. Ashlyn with golden waves, fair skin, and a piercing green gaze. I love sailing. It feels like a whole other world at sea. Like things on land couldn't possibly affect you. Their faces were cast in the brilliant orange light of the setting sun, and they had to look away after a moment. How are you doing, Luela? Luela's answer at first was a smile, but it didn't last long. When we started out, I was actually excited about the entire adventure. But when the tasks are completed, and there is nothing left to do but think, I find myself despairing over what I have done, and the ramifications of my actions. Ashton nodded her understanding, and Luela smiled at her briefly. Where is your sister? She sleeps below. It has been a long two weeks for her. You as well, I imagine. I will rest when I feel the need. Have you seen Elos? I see him every so often, speeding about like some sort of fish. Everyone was safe and accounted for, and Luela gave a soft sigh, thoughts returning to Ashland's question. <sighs> I think of my mother and all that she has been through in these past few years. She has suffered so much loss, and now with my absence, I fear for the stages of her mind. Do you think she would harm herself? She's tried before. This surprised the fairer girl, but Luela nodded her confirmation. When the castle was attacked not long ago, she lost a child. Now my father is dead, and both of her living children are gone from her sight. 
An expression of regret turned Ashlyn's eyes down toward the water. Luella saw this and covered one of Ashlyn's hands with her own. This was my choice, Ashlyn. Do not take my burdens upon yourself. Save the one part we share in, if you choose to be burdened by it. But I don't, and I think that is why I feel as I do. I have taken a man's life and feel no shame, though my prayers are very much with your mother. Luella gave her hand a squeeze before settling back on the wooden railing. Luella, you still haven't told me why you're helping us. Why would you risk everything, knowing in the end that... That I am forever a hunted exile, or my brother must lose his life. I would sooner sacrifice myself than see this world torn apart by constant warring. Lately wants to be just like Tyg. No, he wants to be worse. And if stopping him from doing so results in his death, then the rule will be to me once my mother is gone, or simply passes it on to me and we shall finally know peace. And what of you? What if the sacrifice demanded is your own life? We sail for Seness, not to simply go home. We go to prepare for war. I know. If my life is the price that must be paid, it will not have been for nothing. She turned her head to look fully at Ashlyn. Because of you, and thanks to Elas, we know more about Tyg's ultimate goal, or what we think it may have been. Ashlyn, we are sisters now, in a way that I could have never been a sister to lately. He must not be allowed to be our children's Tyg. We have to put an end to this, before his hatred is too broadly bred. We will do all we can to protect you. You have my word. I do not fear for my life. When Laylee realises I am with you, it will only add to his determination to kill you. He will save me for last, and it will pain him. But he will try to kill me. Let him come. We will find the others and end his reign before it can even begin. I will not let him be the king of war he so wishes to be. The sound of footsteps above deck the next morning made Kanade open her eyes. Her rest had been fitful, and even though shards of sunlight filtered down through the floorboards, she felt too exhausted to believe it could really be time to rise. She turned her head on her swinging cot to look over and see Ashlyn and Luella still asleep, both in identical hanging hammocks, Luella's below Ashlyn's. Making as little noise as possible, Kanade sat up and swung her feet around, almost falling out of her bed as it swayed with her motion. With feet firmly on the floor, she ran a hand over her blonde mane. Panic crossed her face when she realized how wild she must look. She wet her hands with her tongue and tried to tame what she could, still plaiting her messy curls by the time she was dressed and climbing above deck. The sun was not yet very high at her back, but it was brilliant and fresh as only a new day can provide. Kanade enjoyed the heat of it and smiled as she walked across the deck. In the distance was the silhouette of land. No one had to tell her she was seeing the outline of her homeland. Something just felt right inside her at the sight. She was more at peace than before. The Isles had that effect on many people. It was not that they were untroubled by conflict, 
The Isles had seen their fair share of warring, but the very air seemed to breathe peace and hope into a person's soul. When Kinaid found out they would be docking in Marl, a small fishing village on the southwestern side of Seness, and fairly close to Altain, she grabbed the weathered old ship captain by his face and kissed his cheek with great enthusiasm. He grumbled to put on a show as she ran off, but there was the smallest hint of a smile in his eyes. Lenny, Lenny, wake up! Ashlyn opened her eyes in time to see Kanade rushing down the stairs from above. What? There was no panic in her voice, otherwise the older sister would have been up and on her feet immediately. As it was... She simply rolled over and pulled her blanket up over her head. Oh, oh goodness, is everything all right? We're almost home! Kanade grabbed Ashland's blanket and yanked it from the bunk. Hey! Get up! We're almost tomorrow, and I need you to fix my hair. Look at it! Is there breakfast somewhere? Ashland finally rolled over to get a good look at her sister and blinked. Despite the braid, untamed wisps of blonde hair stuck out all over the place. What did you do in your sleep? I know! I need your help! Alright, alright. Calm down. Careful not to kick Luella, Ashlyn swung her legs over the edge and jumped down. How did you sleep, Luella? Fine, thank you. The princess watched as Ashlyn dug out a brush and pins from the things they'd purchased in town. She turned Kanade around and undid the braid to brush it out. Actually, this was more comfortable than my bed at home. I slept terribly. The constant swaying kept waking me up. Well, you will be able to sleep in a bed of your own tonight. I know. Even though Senessa's more your home than mine, Lenny, it will be nice to simply have a bed again. Kanade was so excited that it was as if the events of the past few days had not even happened. What is our plan once we get there? Luella pushed her blanket back and sat up in her hammock. Should Elas and I wait in Marl until you feel it is the right time for us to join you? Ashlyn shook her head. Already taming Kanade's hair into several small braids, she was draping across the crown of her head and wrapping around the hair that was left unbound. No, both of you should come with us. We will need to call council immediately, and there is no need to waste time. No one will know you unless they've been to Montagna, and I doubt there will be many, if any at all, who have. I suppose that is one of the benefits of having lived such a sheltered life. Linny, let me do your hair. <laughs> I can do yours as well, Luella, if you'd like. I would enjoy that, Kinate. Thank you. Come, we should go up into the sunlight. Luella went first, then Ashlyn with Kanade following. The older sister stopped halfway up the stairs and turned to give Kanade's chin a gentle pinch. What? Thank you for being as sweet as you are. Ashlyn smiled affectionately and brushed aside some of Kanade's bangs. The giver must have known what a brute I would be and put you on this earth to even things out a bit. I love you too, Lenny. Kanade smiled and went to join Luella above. The princess was at the bow of the ship, peering out across the ocean at the land they approached. Have you ever been to the Isles, Luella? Kanade grabbed a wooden crate to stand on while she brushed Ashland's hair out. 
No, I was rarely allowed outside the castle walls. She saw the pitying look Kanade gave as she wound Ashland's hair into a twist, and Luella smiled. My father was always afraid that if my mother or I ever left, we would somehow be captured and used as leverage against him. He was right to think that. Ashland touched her hair gently once the twisted knot was fastened at the base of her neck. That was an option we once entertained. Your father was not ignorant of the fact that he had many enemies. No, he reveled in it. Kanade lifted her brush to signal she was ready to start on the whaler's hair, and the princess moved to where Ashlyn had been standing, facing the land that was getting closer by the second. Luella? Kanade ventured, as Ashlyn disappeared to find them all something to eat. I cannot even begin to understand why you do not hate us for what we have done, but I'm very glad that you're here with us. Looking down toward the sea, Luella smiled sadly. I would be lying if I said I never hated you. My family has seen so much heartache that the world has never known about. To lose my father, especially like that, was a blow that none of us were expecting. He was an evil man to his very core but he was still the only father I ever knew. She felt Kanade's fingers rake through the hair at the left side of her face, pulling strands up and brushing them before pinning them back in small sections. I mourned him for as long as I could. But as soon as I heard Laidley speaking the way he was, I knew my grieving had to wait and that I had to act. My plan was flawed, however. I did not think ahead and acted on impulse. But I knew I had to find you, and warn you. But I did not think about what I would do after. (laughs) Though, had I thought ahead, I would have never imagined myself joining you. Kanade smiled, and wrapped her arms around the whale's shoulders from behind in an embrace. The older woman stiffened at the unfamiliar show of affection, but Kanade was hardly deterred. I am glad you did. I thank the giver for your friendship, and for a new sister. Despite her discomfort, Luella was touched by the show of affection. She lifted her hands to rest them on Kanade's arms, and gave her a gentle squeeze in return. Thank you, Kanade. I'm thankful for you as well. Still smiling, Kanade kissed Luella's cheek and let her go. Your hair is done, princess. And just in time. Ashlyn carried three round loaves of bread, some cheese, and a pitcher of warm milk on a board used for a tray. Breakfast, anyone? I'm starved! Kanade hopped down and took one of the loaves before Ashlyn even had a chance to set the food down. Luella smiled her thanks and took some cheese with her bread. What about Enos? He is quite full, I assure you. Ashlyn took some of the milk. It has been a long time since he's had fresh fish. You spoke with him then? He must be exhausted swimming all this time. Ashlyn shook her head, swallowing the sweet milk. He crept aboard last night and sat below deck with us. I knew I saw him. I thought I was dreaming. Where is he now? Swimming somewhere ahead of us. The closer we get to the Isles, the more anxious he becomes. Why? He is afraid of being rejected. 
He fears being turned away because of the way he looks, like he was when he was a boy. Which I told him a few moments ago was ridiculous. Ashton brushed breadcrumbs from her bodice. We are not going to obey us. At least we have no plans to at this moment. The people of Seness will think nothing of it. But it's not as easy as that, Lenny. You know that if you are born with the Celts, you do not belong to just one country. We all belong to the Isles. You should be more sympathetic to his reservations. I know. There was a soft smile on the whaler's lips. Almost sad. Oh, what a beautiful relationship. I never realized there was such a kinship among the different nations. We are not Seness or Ibeus or Sieria or any of the other seven nations. We are Celts. By the time breakfast was finished and taken care of, the ship was only moments away from docking. Canade was practically bouncing with excitement. Luela was silent and reserved, and Ashlyn had a look of determination on her face. Her eyes scanned the fields before them, as if searching for something unspoken. Marl was just a small village with less than a dozen tiny homes scattered among the gentle hills and fields. The grass was green and lush, flowers of purple and white dotting the vibrant landscape and sending sweet wafts on the cool breeze. The girls thanked the captain before leaving the boat, and Ashton was already thinking about what the next step would be. Luela, would you summon Elas? Nady, you stay with Luela in case he needs someone else to coax him. What are you going to do? I am going to talk with the villagers and see if Briak has somehow made it home before us. Ahead of them was a little girl holding a basket of freshly shorn wool, staring. As soon as Ashlyn turned and met her gaze, the little girl shrieked and dropped her basket, running a short distance to the little house behind her. Mama! Mama, she's home! The door opened and a woman stepped out. Quiet. You're going to wake the baby. The little girl grabbed her mother's apron and tugged, pointing down toward the docks. Look, Mama! It's the Queen! High Queen Ashlyn has come home! What are you? The woman stopped mid-sentence as she raised her gaze and saw Ashlyn approaching. She inhaled sharply and clutched at her heart, bowing deeply. Oh, thank the giver! Oh, your majesty! Ashlyn smiled at the woman, then at the little girl as she stooped to pick up what had been dropped. Good morning. Please, stand. The woman rose at Ashton's beckoning, beaming. Praise be to the giver that you've come home safe to us. She smiled thankfully as Ashlyn handed her the basket. And Princess Kinead? She is safe as well. She is with two of our new friends at the docks at the moment. Tell me, have any other ships come through here since yesterday morning? No, your majesty. None. Ashlyn frowned slightly. This was not what she had wanted to hear, but it was not terrible news. There were many other ports throughout Seness that were close enough to the capital. Thank you. Will you... Her voice trailed off as her eyes caught a flash of silvery white farther off in the fields, disappearing into the forest. Forgetting what she was doing, Ashton walked past the house with eyes on the lush tree line in the distance. Putting her lips together curiously, she whistled a little tune. Elos was already out of the water, 
and shifted into his human form when they all heard the whistle. Kinaid's head jerked up, surprise in her eyes that quickly melted into excitement. Tsune! Gathering her skirts in her hands, she took off, running in the direction of her sister. Come on! Upon hearing the whistle, something in the trees paused a moment, walking slowly between thick trunks, looking ghostly. Ashlyn grinned and whistled again. The creature hesitated only a moment, before breaking through the trees and thundering across the field on heavy hooves. Sulei! Kanaid and the other two reached Ashlyn in time to see the sun catch the gleaming coat of the horse racing toward them, giving it an ethereal glow. It neighed a powerful cry, and as it neared, they saw this was no normal horse. From its head protruded a horn of twisted silver and colorful opal. Its long mane was white and full of waves, that reached down almost to its knee. On the side of the unicorn that the mane left exposed, black fur that formed an impossibly intricate rope of knots ran up his leg from the opalescent hoof, exploding into a web of knots on his neck that faded into his mane line and came together just behind his eye. Oh, Sule! The unicorn lowered his head as soon as he was close so that Kanade could throw her arms around his powerful neck. Ashlyn approached to stroke the soft, velvety fur of his nose, and he whinnied softly, nudging her so that she almost fell back. She stepped forward again and kissed his nose. A unicorn! Oh, I did not think they existed anymore. They barely do. Ashlyn smiled as she watched the wonder and gentility with which the princess held out her hand. Sule touched his nose to her open palm in greeting, and the whale's eyes filled. That is his way of saying hello. <laughs> hello! <laughs> oh, if I ever doubted there was beauty left in the world, I doubt it no longer. Sule is one of very few unicorns left. Kanade ran her fingers through his silky mane. They are hunted on the other continents, but here they are free and protected. Like the dragons. Elos also stared at the unicorn. The Celtic oils truly remain the last safe haven for all that is magical and pure. That will never change if I have anything to say about it. Ashlyn turned her eyes to the unicorn. A tua cuentras en la mar. She kissed his muzzle, and Kanade let him go, understanding what had been said. Sule snorted and pawed the ground dipping his head as if in a nod. They all took a step back as the magical beast reared up with a joyous cry. He tossed his mane as he landed with a thud and turned, running from them as fast as he had approached. He is so beautiful. Luella watched in awe. Looking at Ashlyn, she seemed to have a permanent expression of elation on her face. Was that Gaelic you spoke to him? Elvish. Unicorns only respond to the old elephant tongue. They refuse to learn English. <laughs> refuse? You have no idea how stubborn a unicorn can be. She turned back to the mother and daughter behind them. My apologies. Nothing to apologize for, McQueen. Can I make you all some tea? Thank you for your kindness, but we must reach the castle as soon as possible.
The woman nodded slowly, a wrinkle of worry creasing her brow. Has the time come, then? A frown pulled the corners of Ashlyn's mouth down, but only momentarily. It approaches, yes. But do not fear. Everything will be well at hand. Bidding mother and daughter farewell, the four began their trek across the fields. Soft grass brushed a welcome against the bare skin of hands and legs as they marveled at the colors and textures around them. Closer to the edge of the forest, bursts of color showed among leaves too stubborn to change for the season. Despite living in one of the Celtic nations during his childhood, Elos had forgotten how captivating it could be. Not just what his eyes could see, but the very air itself seemed somehow different. An inhale brought life to his soul and the deadened parts of his spirit. He flinched as fingers ran gently across his human cheek. Blinking, he turned to see Kanade walking beside him with a tender smile. Welcome home, Elos. She slipped her hand into his, her serenity almost tangible. Just to their left walked Luella. She too was in a state of wonderful muteness as everything was being taken in. Something stirred in her that she could not explain, and her cheeks were growing weary from the smile that would not disappear. Even Ashlyn, glancing over her shoulder to see the clasped hands of Elos and her baby sister, felt she could walk on air. The world did not feel so grim anymore. She had optimistically held the hope of winning this war. Now, she felt it was impossible for them to lose. It took them most of the day to cross the fields, and with the forest still sheltering them from the harshest of winds to their left, they finally climbed to the side of a steep and grassy hill. At the crest, all four stopped, speechless and appreciative, to take in the vastness before them. The land went on for miles, much farther than anyone could guess at first glance. Fields and hills, some gentle and some not, boasted acres of land for farmers and livestock. Shadows moved in ghostly dapples as thick and fluffy clouds passed overhead in the fading light of day. Small houses, much like those in Marl, littered the countryside in small clusters of two or three, where households shared the work of the gardens, the animals, and lived as their own little communities. Farther away, the houses grew in number and luxury, eventually joining together to form the Shire of Altane. From where they stood, it looked very much like a child's playset of village homes, with people and things so tiny that none could see them. Directly in the middle was a small mountain, atop which stood the pride of Seness, the castle of Altain. Tall dark spires reached skyward, with flags streaming in the wind, looking majestic and perfectly set against everything surrounding it. Kanade was beside Ashton now, face lifted to the colorful sky, and eyes closed as the wind tossed stray strands of hair about her face. Listen. Ashton closed her eyes, Luela and Elos doing the same. With the beautiful scenery below them no longer a distraction, what they were listening for was not hard to be found. Pipes. I have heard tales of this place. 
They speak of it in ballads and bedtime stories. Giggling, Kned opened her eyes. <laughs> this is not heaven, Luella, but it is close, I should think. She looked at the castle far below, gaze specifically focused on the flags atop the spires and turrets. Sule has already been to the castle. <gasps> Look! She squealed in clear excitement and started running down the hill. No one seemed to have noticed the familiar unicorn waiting for them just a ways down, or the man next to him. He had brown hair that brushed his shoulders and carefully maintained scruff on his face. His clothing was worn, and what they would see more of as they approached the town, a kilt of graying brown to suggest the long life it had seen, a long-sleeved Jacobite shirt, and leather boots on his feet. As soon as she reached him, Kinei jumped up to embrace the man. He was grinning as his strong arms caught her, winding around her waist as he lifted her and twirled around. When she was set down, words were exchanged that the others were too far away to hear. Who is that? Ashlyn's expression was a soft one as she looked fondly upon her sister and the tall man she was so happy to see. Jaren. The two turned to look uphill to see what was taking so long for the others to get down to them, and Ashlyn's smile grew. Jaren met her halfway before she could make it down, and they immediately fell into a tight and intimate embrace. One hand went around her waist, the other cradling her head as she buried her face in his shoulder. It was fascinating to see this tender and vulnerable side of Ashlyn. As much as Elos and Luela thought they should look away and give them a moment, it was hard to. Jaren was gentle with Ashlyn, as though she were made of the thinnest glass. The girl they had come to know over the past few days was much stronger than that. Ashlyn finally lifted her face, relief in every bit of her expression. It's all right. Jaren's hands now cupped her face, a smile on his lips and bright hazel eyes sparkling. You're home now, love. I was beginning to think I would never see you again. Her confession drew a frown from Jaren. Do you really think I'd ever let that happen? Ashton only smiled and closed her eyes, leaning her forehead against his chin. The two of them seemed to have forgotten anyone else was there until Jaren glanced to his right and saw three faces turned in their direction. Come on, let me meet your friends. Ashton nodded and felt him brush a kiss against her brow before reluctantly letting her go. As Ashton collected herself, Kinaid took the opportunity to get another hug in, bringing Jaren's wide grin back with ease. Ah, I've missed you, Pickle. Pickle? <laughs> It's a long story. I'd be happy to share it. <laughs> no, thank you. One time she had a little too much to drink and she crafted an army made of... No, thank you. <laughs> Jaren, let me introduce you to our two new friends. Names were exchanged, and Jaren removed his arm from Kinaid's shoulders. He stepped forward to firmly clasp forearms with Elos, never blinking twice at the way Elos looked then took Luela's hand and raised it to his lips. Jaren will be at council tonight, 
and integral to what we plan to do afterward. He grinned, looking almost feral for a moment. Aye, nobody goes to war without me. Can we get going now? We'd very much like to bathe and change before the business of running a country finds us to welcome us home as well. The sooner we get to the castle, the better. Tazarin will be more than happy to return the throne to you. As the group continued its descent, Ashlyn shook her head. If he didn't want to do it, he should not have become my regent. Not at all interested in talking politics, Kanade fell back with Luela and Elos. You are about to see a very different side of my sister. Another different side. We've already seen several different sides of her. That is how it must be when you are a ruler. You quickly learn to be all things at once as a liability. You cannot be a parent or a lover when engaged in battle, just as you cannot be a warrior with no heart to your beloved or your children. You learn to change your role when your company changes, not because you want to, but out of necessity. Kanae looked oddly at Luela. Are you all right? Of course. Why do you ask? Unicorns are very sensitive to a person's feelings. They are born with a gift of empathy and know very well how we humans feel if they are close enough to us. She glanced meaningfully over Luela's shoulder. Sule has not left your side since we reunited. Looking, Luela saw the unicorn had indeed been somewhat beside her, just out of range of her peripheral vision. He was so big and loud on his hooves before that to know he could be so silent when walking startled her. She smiled at the unicorn and slowed her steps so they could be side by side. How do you say hello? Fedui. <laughs> Luela ran a hand down his neck, smiling. Vedui, Sule. The unicorn gave a small whinny and gently shook his mane, though Luela didn't remove her hand from his neck. He knows how I am feeling. Kanade nodded, and Luela's smile revealed some of her sadness. Perhaps he could tell me how I feel, because I'm not quite certain myself. Are you worried for your family? Perhaps, though I think it is more than that. I know why we have come here, and I know that I have found you to prevent more needless killing. Now we speak of going to war, and I do not know the side I should stand on. I have all but banished myself from Sadia, but I'm not of these isles. Where am I to go? Firstly, do not be under the illusion that I have any great knowledge. While the three of you were on that ship, I was alone in the water and had space to think. I too was feeling as you do now. I, I, I still am to a small extent. Ebias has not been my home for many years. The tunnels under the monastery are my home, yes, but I was not really of Sadia. He shook his head, looking ahead as Jaren and Ashlyn stopped their conversation to join them. I was anxious when my feet first hit the soil, but it lasted no longer than a fleeting thought. I am Gaelic by nature, the blood of the ancient Celts running through me like fire in a way that I have not felt in a long time until today. I, I may never go home to Abias again, but the Isles are not just Abias and these Isles are my home. This brought a smile of camaraderie to Kanade's lips that Elos saw as he looked over at Luela. I saw your face when we were walking back there. Can you tell me you didn't feel these hills sing to you? And the pipes, what did you feel when you heard them? 
Luela didn't answer right away. Her fingers played with the hair of Sule's mane. I felt... I felt like I was where I belong. Where I was home. And so you are. Sadia was supposed to be part of the Celtic nations, according to our history. In fact, it was for a very long time, until some generations ago. Their king decided his country didn't need to be part of any sort of kinship with another. Forgive me, but may I ask a question? His tongue swept over his lips and he stroked the scruff on his chin. I know that you wish to remain anonymous, but what is the harm in the people knowing who you are? Every gaze was now upon him and Jaren shrugged. I've been to Sadia. I've even performed inside the castle, and I recognized you as soon as I saw you. Want to know what my first thought was? Thank the giver! We've turned one over to our side. Luella chuckled, but Jaren was serious. It's the truth. You do not think me here as a spy or a rogue agent for my kingdom. With all due respect, your highness, you're a woman. Ashlyn took a playful swing at him and Kinaid pelted him with a flower. Sorry. Jaren grinned, ducking as Kinaid threw another flower at him. Things were getting a little too serious for me. I had to lighten the mood somehow. You know, in all honesty, I believe the people would appreciate your openness and your trust in them. But how can I know they will trust me? You just have to have faith. It is not a decision you need make right now. We will speak with Tasserin as soon as we are inside. Let us all get washed up and into proper clothing. Then we will get down to business. She had her chin held high, ready, and more than willing for the burden she was about to bear. Prepare yourselves. This is going to be a very long week. (laughs) 